0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to 7 Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers. Uh, No, this isn't about spicy cooking. It's about finding strength and resilience to recover after a stroke or any life-altering event. I'm Christine, your host and a stroke survivor. I lost most of my sense of taste after my stroke, except for hot pickled peppers, hence the name. Our mission is to help others let you know you're not alone. You have the courage to get through whatever life is throwing at you. Join us and join the conversation.
1: Welcome to the podcast of seven jars of hot pickled peppers. I'm Ken. This is season two, episode one. Don't forget me. The information and advice provided by Seven Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, Ken and Christine Jackson, the speakers and commentators on their podcasts, interviews, and references in the book, are not a substitute for the advice and treatment plan provided by your own healthcare professional. Further, it's not intended to be an adjunct to any existing or proposed advice or treatment plan you may currently be receiving from your healthcare professional. One of the most important things we've come to realize is that each individual and their family's journey through a stroke or major life event and its recovery is truly unique. The story and information provided by ourselves and our guests is solely intended to let you and your family know that one, you're not alone. Other people and families have gone through or are going through similar experiences. Two, there are resources available that you may not be aware of that may help you or your family through the stroke recovery process. And three, there may be other treatment options available. Again, consult your healthcare professional regarding your treatment plan and do not follow the treatment plans that are discussed in the information that we have provided as it is solely intended and directed for Christine and her continuing care. Thank you now it's time for quote of the cast this one's by Billy Joel I think music in itself is healing it's an explosive expression of humanity it's something we're all touched by no matter what culture we're from everyone loves music
0: music It is the language that transcends spoken word, understood by all, although it touches each one of us very differently. Was there ever anyone who declared they like no music? What's your tune that gets your head bobbing, your toes tapping, or transports you to a certain memory, time, place, a person? Even the cobra can interpret the vibrations caused by the airborne sound and sway-along. Music has always been an important part of my life. From elementary school when I was part of the Glee Club to teaching aqua fit to the latest songs and now playing bass guitar in a band. I learned how to play bass several years ago at my husband's insistence. He's always been a drummer and thought it would be fun for us to do something together. Well, he was right. Five of us has formed a band. We jam and sometimes even have gigs. It's so much fun. After my stroke, I was thrilled that I could still play. But I have a whole new bass persona, very different to pre-stroke. Outwardly, it appears as if I'm trying to look like a very cool bass player, while in reality I'm just trying to survive. Noise has a physical feel to it, so I have to wear earplugs. Too much stimulation overwhelms me, so I wear sunglasses. I still have cold electric feelings in my left hand, so I wear a glove. I'm still dizzy, off balance, so not much head bobbing or toe tapping, and I still have fatigue, so I sit most of the time. But I can still play, be part of the band, have fun. Life has changed, and the measures I put into place to accommodate my changes so I can still play music is totally worth it. Today, our guest is someone whose music has touched the world.
1: Introducing today's guest. Joining our podcast, we have Alan Frew, lead singer, songwriter from Glass Tiger, Juno Award winner, Grammy nominated and other accolades. Alan immigrated to Canada from Scotland as a teenager. His path initially had him pursuing a medical career helping others. He still helps others through music, public speaking, and has received the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Award. For his service to canadian arts and charitable work on behalf of poverty stricken children he's a soccer fan and last but not least he's a stroke survivor
0: today we are recording from the radisson hotel south in edmonton alberta canada we are very fortunate to have with us today rock icon from the hit band Glass Tiger and stroke survivor, Alan Frew. Welcome, Alan. My pleasure. So who is Alan Frew, behind the lead singer of Glass Tiger?
2: Uh, he's a lad from Scotland. <laughs> I grew up in the streets of uh, a working class town, Coltbridge, Bridge, just outside of Glasgow. Uh, Came over to Canada as a 16-year-old with my mother and father and my grandmother. Uh, ended up with all my immediate family in Canada. Uh, gr- grew up in a, a sort of entertainment, uh, entertaining uh, family. My dad was always willing to get up and put on a show, <laughs> and my uncles, man, he saw. I come by that honestly, but I really thought I I had a future in medicine. I I had a dream to be a doctor. I got as far as being a fully qualified RN. Really? Um, so I have a history in that. Right. Uh, which I guess should have come into play when I was having my stroke, but (laughs) (laughs) anyway. Uh, so I then, uh, I wrote a song called Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. Right. Which did okay. (laughs) Very well. (laughs) It put me on a different pathway and I I never nursed again.
0: Really? But you're still helping so many people through your music. Can you tell us about maybe a memorable memorable show that you've had uh, throughout your musical career? Uh,
2: Wow. (laughs) Uh, There's been so many. Probably uh, when it first dawned on us that we'd cracked it was when we did a concert. There was two, actually. There was a free concert for Canada Day uh, in Ottawa, and there was like 130,000 or 140,000 people showed up. Oh, goodness. And when you go from the basement rehearsing and dreaming about (laughs) rock and roll, and then you're looking out over 100,000 people, it's amazing. Wow. And then we did a show uh, that was a paid event, but it was supposed to be just a festival. And we tried to get out of it because the guy who booked us, he actually booked us when we were sort of, we'll we'll say nobodies. We were nobodies. Okay, undiscovered. And he booked (laughs) us. And we were here, actually, in Edmonton. Mm. And there was a riot at the West Edmonton Mall. Really? uh, When we were trying to sign autographs. So we were calling this guy back in. Hamilton outside of Toronto, and saying, You got to let the band out of the contract because you're not prepared for this. Right. It was like a little band shell with a chicken oh. wire fence. <laughs> and he said, nope, no, not they got to do it. And uh, there was like 30,000 people there when we were doing sound check.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh my goodness. And it ended up like 80,000 people. And, <gasps> and they got abandoned after about four or five songs because I couldn't stand watching kids faint. Oh. So we stopped the show, and then it ended up in a riot, and it was just oh my goodness, just a nightmare. But
0: uh, wow, just because people were so excited to see yeah, your music, yeah,
2: that's when you kind of you kind of think, wow, what's <laughs> happening here?
0: You've made it, good for you. So then, approximately three year three years ago, your life changed. Uh, what in what's a today's moment. Date?
2: Uh This is the eighteenth. Yes. yes, it'll be uh, so tomorrow. It'll be three years on Monday.
0: Really, oh my goodness. Yeah. So I guess first, do you mind telling us about your experience with your stroke?
2: Well, I, I, uh, my wife and daughter were here. I married an Edmontonian. Oh, So they good were for here, <laughs> and I was supposed to follow them. Right. Uh, after I finished up, I had the last recording session of my album. Mm-hmm. Now, she always says that because she wasn't there, and she's probably right. I mean, I was slamming it, having no wife or daughter around. I was just singing 14, 15 hours oh, a day.
0: Very busy.
2: So I was probably under a lot of stress. And on the last evening of the last song, uh, looking back on it, I was probably a little more irritable than I am. I'm never irritable. Okay. Um, especially when I'm in you know, the studio. Right. But my singer... Uh, my backup singer was with me and uh, my young engineer mm-hmm. and they sort of said that I was a little more irritable than usual. So, something so I, was off. when they left, I, d- I didn't finish singing till late and when they left, I remember sitting down in my little kitchen area and I just fell asleep in the chair. Really? Didn't even go up to bed. And I woke up, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning and I was still in the chair. So I, I went up to bed crawled in, and I was supposed to golf with my son the next day, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: um, he called me at 7 a.m., and I tried to squirm my way out of it. I said, oh, the weather's cold and kind of rainy or whatever, and he wouldn't hear of it. He said he was coming. So I got up, and um, my ritual was I would go in, walk through the washroom area to the other side where my daughter's room is, Feed the little fish that she has. Right. Come back, use the washroom, brush your teeth, all the things that we all do. Right. And when I got up, my right leg was misbehaving, and I thought I'd slept on it funny.
0: Uh yeah.
2: And uh, then when I was feeding the fish, my right arm started to misbehave, and by the time I went in to use the washroom, I was already, my registered nursing history was already saying, no, no, yeah. no, no. Can't be happening. Oh no. And I was thinking maybe uh, I was pre heart attack right. or maybe pre stroke. But then denial kicked in.
0: That's huge.
2: And so I forced myself to get ready and dressed. Really? And when my, by the time my son arrived, he asked me if I was okay. And I said, Nah, something wrong with my arm and my leg. But he said, Do you want to go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. And of course I said, No, let's go golfing.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: So we got in the car, and I drove. Really? Wow. And we got to the golf course, and I teed off, and I sliced it, which wasn't unusual. <laughs> and he hooked his, so that separated us on either side of the fairway. Right. And uh, so I was just inside my head, and I knew something was mm-hmm. wrong. But ironically, uh, the approach shot that I played... Was really close, but r- within about six or seven inches of the hole. It was a really good one, and he shouted over, "Well done!" And uh, he wanted to give it, give it to me, just right. a gimme. And I said, "No, I want to I want to putt it." And when I went to putt it, I almost collapsed. Oh my And goodness. he caught me, and uh, he got me in the golf car, and we drove up, and we bailed on golfing.
0: Right.
2: And uh, he said, uh, "Let's go to the hospital." And I said, yeah, okay. And I, I got behind the wheel again. Really? You still drove? And I was driving. <laughs> yeah, this is why my neurologist wants to shoot me.
0: I guess.
2: And uh, we stopped at a gas station. hmm And we were putting gas in. And then when the guy asked me for the money, I didn't know how to count the money. Oh. Uh. I couldn't count it. And that was when my son said, okay, out. And we got to the hospital, And I kind of came back again. So they think that maybe I had a clot or an occlusion. The clot was either sort of like the little fish swimming into the hole Mm. and then out of the hole and then back into the hole. So it was causing these off and on moments. Right. Or the artery was trying to collapse, but I hadn't quite done it yet. Right. But we get to the hospital and I get examined and I I was okay, really. Really? And the doctor thought, I don't think you're having a stroke. And he actually said, I think I think you'll be able to go to Edmonton tomorrow. Oh,
0: my goodness. And
2: he left, and my son said, well, he's not going to get his license. He was just an, an intern. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I had a full-blown stroke right really? there. Really? In a merge, oh. And uh, I, uh, I became completely paralyzed really? on my right side. Oh. Well, thank goodness
0: you were in the hospital. Do you know what treatment they gave you?
2: Well, I was uh, too. They couldn't give me TPA. They couldn't. They couldn't give me anything. Really? Uh, because they reckoned that m- that maybe I'd had the stroke begin even when I was in my sleep. Mm, so yeah. too many hours had gone by. Oh, okay. So uh, I was completely broken.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: Uh, I cried for three days straight, probably. I guess. And um, very confused and. Uh, but the neurologist came to see me, and he basically said, "There's nothing we can do. We have to really? write this out and see if it quits, and then whatever you're left with, you're left with, and then oh. we begin. We begin the battle from there."
0: Really? And I said, "Okay." Whew, that's pretty uh, strong words. Yeah. Pretty hard to take.
2: Yeah. It was devastating.
0: No doubt. No doubt. So. How did you manage that? Did your family come back to help support? They took an emergency
2: flight back. And uh, the one thing that really, my wife was a lioness, (laughs) and uh, she took control. But one really powerful statement uh, when the two of them got to the hospital and they were hugging me, they hadn't shed any tears yet because they wanted to stay strong. And uh, my wife just kept saying, this isn't you. This isn't who you are, right? This isn't you, and uh, I see you back on stage, and uh, and so we kind of took that approach.
0: Good. Yeah, you can't like m- one of my sayings. Life is tough. It's yeah. hard. It's unfair. But we always have Well, people to look say, for "Why rainbows. me?
2: Why me?" And then of course the universe says, "Well, why not you? Like, why not you? <laughs> you're just one of <laughs> seven billion people, and everybody's having their problems. You mm-hmm. think you are really." Exclusive? No. Why not you?
0: No one's immune in it. Um,
2: and so, uh, uh, my my mantra is, you know, mourn whatever it is, I say mourn it, and then accept it, and then fight it. So that's what you have to do. If mm-hmm. you're going through a tough time, or if you've had trauma, or or a loss, or whatever it is, you're allowed to mourn. And I cried. I bawled my eyes out for three days. Couldn't mm-hmm. keep it together. No. Uh, because I was an emotional wreck. Yeah. And then, then magically, the, the, the power of the brain, I just said, okay. And then I accepted it. Right. You know, what, what are you going to do? You're paralyzed. What do you do? And yeah. then uh, after I accepted it, then the fight was on.
0: Exactly. And then it's just, okay, this is where I am today. Where am I going to be tomorrow? Exactly. So good for you. So monday august 20th do you ever do anything to recognize that i don't know uh
2: i recognize that after a year and after two years uh, i i wrote to people on the internet and and this one i thought "Eh, i don't know man do you just Uh let it go by Do you just move on and not keep going back there and revisiting it no so i don't know at one point but i'll be home i'll be home and Maybe I'll go hit a golf ball.
0: (laughs) Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So how long was your recovery before you felt that you could start becoming more... About nine months. Yeah?
2: And then I tried to sing after that. I set a date. um, I can't remember. It was about about ten months. Uh, I picked a date of a concert, and we sold... I sold it out two nights in a small theater in Toronto. Okay. When I was still uh, not paralyzed, but I was still very, very gimpy and and in yeah. therapy, and I picked a date, and I said I'll be on stage.
0: Wow! And you got there. It. Good yeah. for you. So, in one of your Instagram posts, you wrote, "Life truly does live on the turn of a card." Uh, Perch on the edge of a dime, ready to change instantly and without warning. And, I mean, that's what happened to you August 20th, three years ago. So tell us about the changes and how you've managed it.
2: Well, uh, you're never the same. You would know that. Yes. You can never be that person ever again. Right. If you've had cancer, you're the person that's had cancer. If you've had a heart attack, you're the person that had a heart attack. So, the Alan that never had a stroke doesn't exist anymore. Right. And uh, I am Alan who's had a stroke. So, what that does to you uh, is it it lives with you. You just have to uh, you have to invite it in and accept it again, mm-hmm. and then decide what you're going to do about it. So, I decided to take a look. Now, you wouldn't know it with my schedule right now, but I decided to take a look um, about, uh, you know, uh, my health. Right. But I, but I was a healthy guy. Like I work out and I swim and. Right. And my diet. It's was, not all life that if you know. I, so, so I really I watch why I eat. I try and get as much rest as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, exercise. I cut back on the amount of alcohol I would allow myself to have. Right. I know was a guy that would go into the bar, and if my pals were standing there and we had four, five, six, seven pints, I'd think mm-hmm. nothing of that. Right. Now I limit myself to a couple of beers, and, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And it, it's not like anybody ever said if you drink more than two beers, you're going to have a It's not like that, you're going to have a stroke. Right. But it's more uh, just... It, it helps me uh, stay alert. Right. And it reminds me that I'm carrying a history now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when you've had a stroke, you're uh, in a higher category to have another one. It's just the way it is.
0: Exactly.
2: And, uh, and so you live with that, and you have to channel your way through that. hmm Now, my... Work schedule, it got really crazy uh, a couple of months ago. I did 45 shows in 60 days and it, wow. it was way too much. That's
0: very And busy. I, I
2: made a declaration that I will never do that again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm trying my best to modify um, how much I, I go out there and do this.
0: Well, fatigue is a huge uh, symptom in stroke survivors. Do you find do you struggle with fatigue?
2: I can't decide how much of it's stroke survivor and how much of it's <laughs> old age, getting yeah. up there, going, "Oh man, I'm looking forward to my bed." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, going to bed now is like being invited to a party. Yeah, um, yeah, I fatigue, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I think I think a lot of it's just you know it, it's a grind what I do. It's a very you busy know,
0: schedule and you performing. Know, I go on
2: stage and belt it out for two hours. Oh. I got on airplanes, and that 45 shows. Now, it, it wasn't 45 full shows. We were right. actually part of a package, and we were only going on stage for about 20 minutes, but it was every night and every airplane and every van ride, and, and it was too much. It's, it's
0: very demanding, and it can... Be sort of anxiety-causing being on stage and performing because yeah. they're there to see you. You have yeah. to put on a performance. I
2: had a I had an incident recently where I thought I was having another stroke. Really. And uh, I went through the whole procedure, got admitted into the same hospital with the staff, and they, they, my neurologist went crazy because I drove there again. And, oh my goodness. And uh, I was supposed to go to Italy, and my I got cancelled, but. Right. When they did my MRI, they discovered a really bad sinusitis oh, okay. and uh, probably from all the airplanes and all mm-hmm. the traveling.
0: What a busy schedule, not giving yeah. yourself a break. Yeah. So when you first had your stroke, was your speech affected? Did you have to get that back?
2: Uh, no, uh, the, the biggest problem for me was a stammer. I didn't oh. lose my cognitive uh, functioning and I didn't lose my speech but I got a little bit of an impediment. And oh, okay. uh, it came more when I had to think what I mm. was about to say. So uh, I was okay when I was in free form, right. but if someone said to me, oh, that, that's a nice pair of shoes, where did you get those? I kind of went, well, I, 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 and, and, and believe yeah. it or not, um, ha- having you mention it, creeps in a little bit right and it's only when i'm trying to focus and also i have um when i'm really tired Mm -hmm. and i take a big yawn like a really deep yawn my right hand floats up
0: really in the air
2: i can't i can't stop it so it's all part of the rewiring Mm -hmm. i'm sure you're aware of all these things but there's a uh a a thing called plasticity brain yes, plasticity, neuroplasticity, right?
0: plasticity which even. for those of
2: you listening that don't know when your brain is traumatized and that area becomes necrotic it dies mm-hmm. and it never ever comes back again and all the amazing little neurons that surround it come to the come to the party and they say okay we'll help you so mm-hmm. when i was paralyzed on my right side that little part of the brain was dead and then all the other guys come and they rewire, and they take pick up the slack, and that's when my fingers and toes started to wiggle, and my motion came back. But within the rewiring, something happened, and when I have a big deep yawn, my right hand floats up to the sky. The
0: brain is so mysterious. Yeah. But you talked about when you're focusing to say something. The same thing happens to me. And right. Ken, my husband, has learned to be very patient and just right. wait until I can get th- those words out, so I know. It exactly what you're talking about right. with that
2: we are now part of a fraternity right <laughs> for it, sure <laughs> uh, it, 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 when I meet fellow strokes or, like nobody knows that the, the, like we know mm-hmm. and uh and of course my bandmates you know they do their best but they forget and they just go on and somebody might say oh we've booked four shows in a row oh. and I go mm, you know mm-hmm. uh, but um, they don't mean any harm by it they just forget but when you meet a stroke survivor, uh, and I'm sure it's the same for cancer survivors and, and mm-hmm. heart attack and people who have lost loved ones, you, you have a fellowship.
0: For sure, you do. And you understand what that person is talking about.
2: Yeah. Clearly. Um, I, I don't know if agitation was a big thing for you, but I got incredibly agitated for a while. Still mm-hmm. can a little bit. Uh, the noise factor sometimes. I don't like going to... It's really weird some things that used to bother me like going to rehearsal i detested it and and the noise <laughs> and whatnot now it doesn't bother me so much but socializing if you invite me to a party or a cocktail right. party and everybody's in the kitchen or in the living room and they're all talking at once oh. i just I, I look at my wife and i'll go i'm out here and she you know and i and I'll, i have to leave it just drives me insane
0: I can relate to that. I often wear earplugs. Sound sometimes has almost a physical pain, whereas right. I love music and such as well. But I have to be cognizant of how I expose myself. To well, the mine's sound. weird because
2: after I finish speaking with you here today, I'll be on stage, rocking out in about a couple hours, and mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me at all.
0: Really, but the I, I can relate to what you're saying and yeah just too much sensory stimulation can be can be bothersome so you're going on stage tonight to rock out do you prepare differently for gigs do you do things differently now
2: i'm actually way more um relaxed whatever happened to me i was i was much i was very reclusive Mm
0: -hmm.
2: uh i'd vanish and nobody would see me until showtime and I'd have these big rituals over and over, now I just I just take it in stride and I just chill. I warm my voice up, well I sang last night, so right. I'm in pre- pretty good, well I'm in great voice right now, so <laughs> um, no, nothing much, I'll go up and turn the shower on and get the steam going, right. have a warm shower, warm my voice up, I'll be right. on stage rocking.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Well we sure appreciate you taking some time for us today. My pleasure. So um, one thing um, I've heard many other brain injury survivors say, I've said it myself, and you've said it, so um, to quote one of your Instagram posts, I left home a few days ago as Alan, only to return home forever as George. That guy pre-stroke is gone. You mentioned that before, but has the changes, the new changes become older? Can you talk to that more about that change?
2: Well, I'm in a routine now that um, I would say, for me, uh, I've left it behind. You know, I yeah. have left it behind. I've moved on with right. this new pattern, this new right. mindset. This is it now. So, for example, if I, you know, if I go to a cocktail party and it's driving me crazy, I just leave. Yeah. That's just normal now. Okay. Uh, if I, uh, if I go into a pub and my pals are four or five or six pints and <laughs> I can have a I can have fun with them and have a beer and then I leave right. so but it just feels normal now mm-hmm. um so the only thing I would say is that I've left it behind but of course because you have some scarring um like my hand uh is affected it feels very stiff and mm. like it was electrocuted yeah. so I have these reminders right. Um, and so mortality seems to come up for me a lot more mm-hmm. now thinking about it, but other than that, the new, the new sort of pattern that I'm in feels old, you know what I mean? Cause it feels normal.
0: Yeah. The new has become familiar. Yeah. The, and yeah, the new nice. has become
2: very familiar.
0: That's great. So, um, you've become a spokesperson for stroke because you have been so open about it and promoting the acronym FAST for mm-hmm. the response for a stroke. So how did that come about?
2: Well, I don't think too much about so-called celebrity, but I guess it comes with a territory. For and, sure. Uh, I've been doing this in Canada for a long time, and I get recognized everywhere I go, and, and there's a lot of people that, that have enjoyed uh, Glass Tiger's music through oh, the years, sure. and they relate to it. So I guess uh, I was an obvious candidate mm-hmm. when I went public, Right? Uh, had I kept it hidden and away from everybody, and that would have been a different thing, but I went public with it. Mm-hmm. So the obvious thing happened, and the Heart and Stroke uh, Foundation contacted me, and they said, would you be willing to speak up? And I mean, I'm a natural, uh, by nature, I'm a, 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 a caretaker, and health practitioner anyway because of my nursing career right. so I felt well if I can speak out and help even one person prevent a stroke then then that's a good thing and so I, I decided to say yes yeah. And they made me uh, they made me the poster child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And more knowledge is more power. Actually, if it's funny, the turn of events, we heard your commercial mm-hmm. during the Ryan Jesperson show, which is a radio show here in Edmonton. And that prompted us to go on the radio to bring even more awareness to oh, stroke. Well, so you were the so catalyst it's for what that. It works. It definitely does. And I mean,
2: I've had, without an exaggeration, like... Uh, I was new to Facebook,
0: mm-hmm. very
2: new to Facebook when I had my stroke. And I actually, when I went public, I was actually l- doing it with my left hand on my oh, left really? thumb, one letter at a time, huh. and I'm right-handed. Oh, my and goodness. when I went public, and uh, then uh, then the news hit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, TV stations and radio stations, uh, I, um, I, I decided that, you know, it, it's more important to l- to let them know because people will make up their own minds. They'll they'll have me dead, right? right? So I, I said, hey, guys, I've had a stroke and I'm going to fight yeah. back. But I wouldn't be exaggerating if I told you that thousands of people have written to me on a pr- on private messenger on Facebook telling me their stories yeah. because, because I went public and I was right. willing to open up about it, and talk about the fight. Mm-hmm. People would write in and they'd say, Alan, I'm really sorry this happened to you. I wish you well, but let me tell you what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I I naturally would, you know, wish them well in their fight and, right. and try and encourage them.
0: Uh, everybody's story deserves to be told. And actually, in this season of our podcast, we're including stroke stories where people can share their stories on our podcast. Oh, wonderful. And... It's, it's amazing, the stories we've been getting. It's very powerful. So I, when I was looking at your social media, you did say a thousand-mile journey begins with just one step. Mm-hmm. That's very inspirational. So, Alan, do you have any other words for stroke survivors?
2: Well, I, again, I would just go back to the mantra uh, of... Never be afraid to openly mourn uh, what has happened to you, because it is an insult. It's a mm-hmm. total insult to um, uh, to the human condition right. to suddenly be struck down with something as devastating as stroke. Right. And you know you're you're surrounded by loved ones who want to help you, but inevitably, I think, and I think. <laughs> You know, I haven't done it yet, but going out of this world is probably very similar to coming into it. You do it alone, yes. and no matter who you're surrounded with. So you, you have to allow yourself to mourn this tragedy that's happened. Mm-hmm. But then comes the make or break moment. And I've, when I was in recovery, when I was in rehab, I saw people who'd had strokes way more traumatic than mine. But I'd also seen people who'd had strokes that were less traumatic than mine. Right. But I could already pick out the ones who were going to fight the good fight and the ones who were ready to give up. Really? And so you have to allow yourself to mourn it. And I think by doing that, Mm -hmm. then you can uh, move into the second phase, which is acceptance. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to accept it. You do. If you're, if you've no speech, or if you've no use of your limbs, your limbs, uh, it, it's not serving you. Uh, it's, there's no purpose to, to thinking that this hasn't happened. Right. It has happened, and so uh, you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. And then once you accept it, I promise you, you'll find it easier to then go into your no surrender, I call it the no surrender phase, mm-hmm. where you have to fight, because right. you have to ask yourself, what's the alternative? And the alternative yeah. is to crawl into a ball and just fade away. And so uh, um, that, that's that been my mantra pre-stroke in my life, and many, many things that I've gone through, so why should it be any different uh, post-stroke?
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, a thousand mile journey does begin one step at a time. And, right. and for me, um, I never saw my wife cry until they got me out of bed that, that first night when I insisted on going to the, the washroom when they wanted to give me a bedpan or whatever. And I said, no. And when they got me up to try and get me to the washroom, the sight of this crippled, Soul trying to get to a toilet with my right leg completely dangling, um, and my right arm not knowing what to do. Right. Uh, it, it, that was when she turned. She put her head between her knees and just bawled her eyes out. Mm-hmm. But that was the first step. That was. That was it. it that was the courage. very first step. Yeah. And tonight here I am in Edmonton, and I'm going to step on on the big stage and rock out. So.
0: Yeah, inspirational and amazing, and yeah, everybody. Even if you just move a millimeter at a time, That's keep it. moving forward. I played with
2: uh, uh, my thing was there was a little one t- uh, of my fingers and toes started to wiggle. There was a little tube of toothpaste sitting on the bedside table, mm-hmm. and it took me hours to try and flop my arm over mm-hmm. and and get it into my one hand and try and open it. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then, I, then that became my toy for days, <laughs> trying to get that lid off of that toothpaste.
0: So it shows your tenacity right there, yeah. but good for you. So thank you, Alan, my so pleasure. much for sharing your story and being able to meet you. Your position as a famous musician has helped bring more information and education about stroke and about treatment for stroke and your music truly touches the world thank you
2: my pleasure thank you very much
1: did you know that you can follow us on twitter at seven jars we post daily with all the latest stroke research innovation and inspiration follow us Now it's time for the joke of the week.
0: Hey Ken, do you know why the pianist kept banging his head against the keys?
1: Jeez, I have no idea.
0: He was playing by ear. <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> now it's time for our segment on survivor stories.
0: Since Alan shared his own courageous survivor journey, we won't have another story this episode. Stay tuned for next one, though.
1: We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your own stroke or survival story, or your experience as a caregiver, you can submit your story through our website at 7 Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, or personal message us on Facebook. We look forward to reading your story.
0: This week's Stroke Link.
1: That was an amazing interview. There's so much strength and resilience. Alan Frew really is a warrior. So
0: true. And that is the title of the link this week. It's an article all about Alan's journey called The Warrior, Alan Frew's inspirational battle after
1: stroke. It's an amazing read and includes Alan's Instagram posts during the time he was in the hospital. And throughout his recovery.
0: It sure does. It also includes great photos and even some background history on Alan's
1: life. He's done so many amazing things to help others and is continuing by promoting fast and proper stroke care.
0: For sure and encouraging people to monitor their blood pressure and cholesterol levels. We recommend this article on Google called The Warrior Alan Frew's Inspirational Battle After Stroke. And we'll have the link up on Facebook and our website. And don't forget FAST. It's an easy and it's the best way to help you remember the signs, symptoms, and what to do if you or a loved one may be having a stroke. FAST. Face, arm, speech, time. A stroke can bring on unusual symptoms like numbness, tingling, drooping, or paralysis on one side of your face or one arm and can affect your speech, slurring or jumbled. T for time. Don't delay. Get medical help immediately. If you suspect a stroke, you can call 911 in Canada for emergencies or Or if you have questions, call HealthLink in Canada at 1-866-408-5465 to talk to a healthcare professional.
1: Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. Or if you have any questions, comments, jokes, or ideas for future topics, contact us on email or any other social media. If you'd like to hear more about Christine's journey, please check out the website. Her book is available for purchase. www.sevenjarsofhotpickledpeppers.com
0: That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Remember, you're a warrior. Goodbye and good health.